I hope you're all um, enjoying Easter so far. And Easter's a wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And it's great to get a few extra days off and to have a bit of holiday and things. And, you know, holidays in general are special, aren't they? You know, I think we all probably would say that we enjoy and we, we like holidays. You know, they, whether it's uh, something that you've got now or whether it's something that you've got planned for later on in the year, you know, a holiday is one of those things that we look forward to with hope. You know, hope for a rest, which is often much needed. Hope maybe for an adventure uh, and getting out of the mundane of life and going and, and doing something different. Hope for, for time with family. Hope for an opportunity uh, to to get away from all of the stuff going on in life and get a new perspective. Hope maybe that when you come back again, the situation that you're facing might have changed. You know, hope is a, a powerful thing. Um, I heard a medical officer, he was being interviewed, I heard an interview with him this week, and, um, and he was asked about the role of hope. Um, and this is what he said, he said, hope is the reason and the motivation for people to live. Hope is what keeps us going. And yet, do you know, hope is also something which is fragile and it can fluctuate. You know, imagine for a moment that your life is a little bit like this balloon. You know, there can be times in, in life when we're full of positivity and we're full of hope and anticipation. We look forwards with hope. We're full of hope and we're buoyed. And we look at life and we feel like we could take anything on. But then sometimes we can face things and we go through things in life which knock us. And which cause hope somehow to to begin to slip away. And suddenly you're not so sure if you can keep going and how you're going to keep going. Maybe you've gone through something like that recently. Maybe a, a moment of, of disbelief when the phone went and you got news that you weren't expecting. And it just takes all of the wind out of your sails. Maybe it's a struggle with failure. With, with things that you don't really want to do and yet you find yourself in that position and the decisions you've made and then choice after choice. And you realize that you're so far from where you actually want to be. And hope is just deflating within you. Maybe you've faced times of disappointment. Times when you've carefully planned it ahead and you had it all mapped out. And you knew where you were going. And you were so excited. And then something came along which just took you off path. And you ended up going somewhere. And you just feel like you missed it and you're stuck. Maybe it's just the relentlessness of life that means that all that you really want and the things that you, you want to do and that you think are so important and that you're planning for just seem to constantly get squeezed out. And you wonder if it's, it's ever going to change. Whatever it is, hope just seems to keep on leaking out. Your hope capacity seems to to get smaller and smaller and then 
You wake up one day and it's like there's just this remnant. Just a remnant of hope that remains. Have you been there? You see, I think that's where the followers of Jesus were on that first Easter. You know, only 10 days earlier, they had been striding into Jerusalem with their heads held high, full of hope, full of anticipation, full of excitement about their future because they were with Jesus. 10 days earlier, there'd been this buzz across the entire city of Jerusalem and everybody was talking about Jesus. Everybody was talking about who he is and what he was done and what he was going to do. How he might be the one. He might be the one who was finally going to set them free from the rule of the Romans and establish them as a great nation again. They were full of hope. But what they envisioning, envisioned happening, what they hoped was going to happen, what they anticipated wasn't how things went. Halfway through the week, things started to go sideways. You watched as Jesus was arrested. They watched as he was interrogated. They watched as he was beaten and tortured. They watched as he was forced to carry this great lump of wood of a cross on his back up a hill. They watched as he was nailed to that very cross and left to die. They watched as his body was taken down and placed within the tomb. And the stone was rolled across the entrance. And the future that they envisioned came to a crumbling halt and their hope was deflated. Can you imagine how how Peter and John and the other disciples must have been feeling? You know, what kind of things must have been going through their minds and questions that they must have had? The sense of of failure. That if... If they just stayed awake and stayed alert in the Garden of Gethsemane, they would have seen the torches coming. And they could have warned Jesus and they could have protected him. The the sense of disappointment that all of the things that they hoped for, all of the things that they'd given their lives to over the last three years, seemed to have been taken away. Their fear that what had happened to Jesus could happen to them. The the guilt that Peter must have carried because of when he'd felt ashamed and scared. And so he'd denied Jesus, not just once, but three times. And yet we, as we read about the lives of these followers of Jesus, and we read about these very people later on in the Bible, what we discover is that somehow they're transformed. Somehow they become bold, driven men and women of purpose who are full of hope again. So what changes? How do they go from being deflated and having nothing but a remnant to being filled with hope again? And what happens is that they encounter the risen Jesus. Now on that first Easter morning, the women went to the tomb and they discovered that the stone was rolled away, that the tomb was empty. And as they puzzled over what had happened and they they encounter the angels and then they turn around to leave and then Jesus is there in front of them. And he speaks with them. 
And suddenly their lives are changed and they're filled with hope and they rush off to tell the disciples, he's alive. We've seen him. And so Peter and John, they, they rush to the tomb to see for themselves and they find the tomb is empty. The grave clothes are folded. They're neatly placed there, but nobody's around. There's nobody for them to see. And so they're left going, what's happened? What's going on? And then later that day, they see Jesus for themselves as he comes to meet with them and, and all of the rest of the disciples. They encounter the risen Jesus for themselves and everything changes. They're never the same again. They not only have their hope restored to, to what it was, but their hope becomes something solid and concrete, something which is unchanging that they can hold on to and rely on and that carries them through. Their hope becomes something which transforms them. Because they know that Jesus is alive. They know that everything that he's taught them is true. They know that, that he has overcome death and the grave. They know that, that they can trust in him and have a confidence and a hope in him that is guaranteed. Because you see, the resurrection changes everything. An encounter with a risen Jesus changes everything. And that's just as much true for us today as it was for those early followers of Jesus 2,000 years ago. I love how Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, writes about this later on in his life. He, he writes this in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 5. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that Peter is excited about. This is something that, that he is thankful for. And so he goes on, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, a hope that never dies, a hope that can never be deflated. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. You know, this inheritance, he says, is kept in heaven for you, who through faith right now are shielded by God's power. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter, he begins to describe the hope that he has. Because Jesus is alive. And he's not just some kind of inner energy that motivates him and helps him to keep going. That he's, he's got to kind of get through this positive thinking. Not this thing which ebbs and flows depending on what's going on in life. Peter understands that hope in Jesus is better than that. It's a, a living hope. A hope which never dies. A hope which can never be deflated. A hope that restores. A hope that impacts our lives and impacts us in the present. A hope which deals with our past. And a hope which endures for eternity. The hope that we have in Jesus is one that covers our past, our present, and our future. You know, Peter begins by saying how God in his mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Peter is saying that what Jesus has achieved through his death and resurrection deals with our past. Jesus offers us new birth, new life, a new beginning. What happened to Jesus when he was raised from the dead can affect your life and my life in the here and now. We can have hope because in Jesus we have a brand new beginning. A new start spiritually inside of us that is as dramatic and transforming as that new start on the day that we were born. And you might think, well, why do I need that? Why do I need a new start? Why do I need to be born again? Well, you know, it's spring now, isn't it? And, you know, one of the things that we traditionally do around this kind of time is we have a spring clean. Um, anybody ever done a spring clean around your house? I can't put my hand up because I can't think I ever have. <laughs> um, <laughs> but whether you've done one or not, you know what it is, don't you? You know, it, it's one of those times, a spring clean is one of those times when you, you go around the house and you make sure that all the dirt and the cobwebs are, are gone. When you throw the windows open and you let the fresh air in. You make the house feel and smell and look fresh and clean. And you know, and at some point in, in each of our lives, we all need the power of Jesus to come into our lives and to give us an inside out spring clean. Because you see, through, through life, what happens is that through the things that we have done or that other people have done to us, that it, we can build up a, a kind of a sense of regret or guilt or shame and we carry with us the, the baggage of the hurt that people have caused in our lives through the things that they've said or the things that they've done. And we carry with us, even more than that, the baggage of the things that we've done, the things that we've said, the things that maybe we've failed to do and we, we really wish we had, or the things that we've failed to say. And we all have this because, you know, all of us have this, this kind of standard that we set. This kind of ideal that we have for how, how we want to live life and how we want to be as a, as a parent or as a husband or a wife or as a child or as a friend. We have this standard and this ideal of, of how we want to be. You know, as a parent that I'm not going to shout at my kids or that, you know, I, I know that this time's short and so I'm going to make time for them to play with them when they want it or to read them a story or I'm going to have patience and, and to listen to them and to their side of things. Rather than just getting cross. Got this ideal, this standard as a parent. It's ideal, this standard for how we'll treat other people, for how we'll use our time, for how we'll use our money. We have all sorts of standards and ideals in life. But the reality is, if we're honest, we don't match up to our own standards and our own ideals of what we really want to be as, as parents or as husbands or wives or as work employees. You know, we regularly catch ourselves saying things and doing things and reacting in ways that deep down we don't really want to be the case. And we might make excuses for it, but we know really it doesn't match with our ideals. 
And when we accept the fact that we fall short of our own standards and we fall short of our own ideals, do you know what? It becomes an awful lot easier to begin to accept that inevitably we fall short of God's standards and God's ideals. That just as we have standards and ideals that are really just about wanting life to be the best that it can be, So God has standards and ideals that aren't about spoiling our fun or controlling us. It's about him putting these standards and ideals in place to say, this is the way that you can enjoy life in the best way possible. A way which is really all about loving God and loving people. And when we fall short of that standard, even in the smallest of ways, the Bible calls it sin. And we carry that sin with us from our past. And it affects every part of our lives. It affects the way that we see ourselves. It affects our identity and our self-worth. It affects our relationships and the way that we see other people. And the standards that we hold them to and what it is we expect of them. But ultimately, and more important than any of that, it affects our relationship with God. And it causes a brokenness and a separation in our relationship with God. And that separation from God not only impacts us in our life here and now today, but it impacts us for eternity. It's an eternal separation. And so at some point in each of our lives, we we all need the power of Jesus to come in and give us a spring clean from the inside out. To wash us clean of all of the things from our past and to give us a new birth. A fresh start. You know, the wonder of Easter is that because of what Jesus has done, we have the opportunity to choose. We have the opportunity to respond to Jesus and to choose life. To choose hope. Because Jesus died on the cross once for all to pay the price forever for us to be forgiven, to be washed clean, to experience that spring clean on the inside. And because Jesus rose from the dead so that we could be alive, so that we could have a new start, a a fresh start. So the hope that Jesus makes available to us, the living hope is a hope which deals with our past and is available to every single one of us. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has responded to the hope that Jesus makes available, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Their past has been dealt with. And they've got a new beginning. So part of the hope that we celebrate this morning is that through the resurrection we have a living hope. Because Jesus has paid the price for our past. And he has given us a fresh start. And then Peter goes on as he writes. So we've read he says, in his great mercy has given us a new birth. This new start into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then he goes on, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You see, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, we don't just have a a living hope that, that deals with our past. We have a living hope which gives us a promise for the future. 
You know, the future, the future can be exciting. It can be full of possibilities and opportunities and, and we can look forwards with, with great anticipation. But the future can be scary too, can't it? It's uncertain. You know, as much as we might plan and prepare for things, none of us really know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone next week or next year or in 10 years time. And in the midst of all of these uncertainties, in the midst of all of the different life experiences that we have and the things that we go through, there are three things that we all have in common, three things that we, we can rely on. We're born, we live, and we die. And the question is, what if there's more to life than that? What if death isn't the end? And the amazing news of Easter is that that because 2,000 years ago, Jesus, who was clinically and medically dead and laid in a tomb, not just for a few hours, but for days, he came alive in the power of God. Because Jesus rose from the dead and he overcame the the death. He overcame the grave. And he made us a promise that when he comes again, Every single person who puts their trust in him will be raised and will enjoy a living hope for all eternity. And and Peter has this living hope for his own future. It's what gives him the, the boldness and the courage to live the life that he did. As someone who didn't fear death. He was somebody who saw Jesus die. He, he went to the tomb on the morning and he, he found that the body was gone. And then later he was a, a, one of, of over 500 witnesses who saw Jesus and encountered Jesus risen from the dead. Alive. Not as a vision or a dream or a ghost. Because they could touch him. Because he cooked them breakfast. And he ate with them. And so Peter says, everyone who puts their trust in Jesus has a living hope for the future. They can look forwards to an inheritance that nothing can steal from them. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can destroy it. And this inheritance is kept for us in heaven. You know, the promise of Easter is that beyond this life, when Jesus comes back, we really will enjoy paradise. Heaven on earth. We will have new bodies with no aches or pains, no sickness or disease. You're not going to get tired. When you love to have a life without that feeling of, oh, it's morning again. I'm tired. Not going to age. And they're certainly not going to die. Now imagine for a moment living in this kind of a glorious, perfect new world. With no sickness or suffering. No prisons. No hospitals. No cemeteries. No injustice. No war. There'll be peace. And joy. We will be with God and he will walk with us. And this is the promise, the sure living hope that Jesus offers to us. 
for the future because of Easter. And this is big stuff. You know, most of us, we, we struggle to get our heads around this. You know, none of us here have died. None of us here have, have, have kind of had this opportunity to experience what this is going to be like. And so it can be hard to get our heads around it, can't it? And one man who had a great talent for taking big concepts and trying to make them understandable was a guy called C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. And he said that having eternal life is a little bit like this. The term is over. The holidays have begun. Death, far from being the end, is like the beginning of the real story, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's our living hope for the future. We can look forward to knowing that the chapters that are coming are better than the chapters that have been. Isn't that amazing? It's a great hope that we have. No, but not only does Jesus offer us a living hope which deals with our past and that gives us a promise for the future, he also comes to give us a living hope in the present, in the here and now. He offers us the greatest help along life's journey. You know, someone once said, Christianity is not an escapist faith in the way that people think about it. It's not a pie in the sky when you die. He says, it's steak on the plate while you wait. Now, in other words, Jesus doesn't just give us a hope for the future. He gives us a hope in the present, in the here and now. He wants to come and transform our here and now. He wants to help you with your fears and your insecurities and your bad habits that you struggle with. He wants to help you with your relationships, with your marriage and your children and your parents and your job. He wants to come and help you and to equip you to become all that God designed you and created you to be. For you to enjoy life and life to the full. He wants to come alongside you as the greatest helper by his Holy Spirit. To help you and to protect you. And that's why Peter writes that God has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus that gives us a new birth, that deals with our past, that gives us a hope for eternity in our inheritance. But he also writes in verse 5, he goes on, This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith right now are shielded by God's power. When we put our trust in Jesus, we can have a living hope in the present. Because we become those who are shielded by God's power. Peter is talking about the reality that in this life we can know and experience God coming alongside us. To strengthen us and to protect us. To help us and to lead us and to guide us. You know, we all have times in life when, when things are wonderful and it's great and it's fun and it's exciting. You know, but we also all have times in life when it's challenging and we can feel like we stumble or we fall. But we are all involved in the race of life. And there are times that come along which make us stumble. Either because of stuff that we have done and the way that we've messed up. Or because of stuff that other people do. 
or the circumstances that we, that we face through no fault of our own. And some of you might feel like you're, you're almost out of the race. You're not even sure how you can keep going. And the great news of Easter for you is that in Jesus, you have a living hope, not just for the future, but in the here and now. You have a perfect, loving, heavenly father who is all powerful. And because Jesus died on the cross and rose to new life and he is alive today, you can have a relationship with him. And his heart is to to come alongside you and for you to know his presence with you by his Holy Spirit. To help you and to pick you up when you stumble. You can know his comfort when you mourn. His strength when you're weak. His guidance when you're confused. And even when everything is life is going well, you can have him running alongside you as your cheerleader. Cheering you on. As the one who brings you peace and purpose and perspective and helps you to keep going. He really is the greatest help available to any one of us. And because of Jesus. Because Jesus is alive today. We can have a living hope in the here and now. If only we will put our trust in him. And so for those of you who are here today, who are knocked by disappointments, who have been worn down by the relentlessness of life, who may be struggling with a a sense of failure, for those of you who maybe just feel like there's just a, a remnant of hope. Today is a day when God is wanting to revive your hope. To refresh your hope. To strengthen you again with a living hope. That deals with your past. That gives you a promise for the future. And that shields you in the present. You know when the early followers of Jesus. When they were struggling with with being deflated. And they couldn't. Uh, revive their hope on their own. They, they just couldn't do it. It wasn't about positive thinking and just mustering this thing up. No, their hope was revived and refreshed through an encounter with the risen Jesus. And I think that's a lesson for us today. This isn't about us trying to muster hope. This isn't about us trying to exercise positive thinking. That kind of hope is the kind of hope which quickly deflates when life's knocks come around. Now this is about an encounter with the living Jesus that changes everything. Which births within us a living hope that will never die and can never be deflated. And so if you are in need of refreshing and encouragement this morning, let me encourage you to look to the source of hope. To look to Jesus who is alive. And he longs to come alongside you in the midst of what you're facing. To open your eyes to see how he's there with you in the midst of what you're facing. And how through him you can have a living hope 
even in the midst of what you're facing. Your past is dealt with. Your future is secure. And he is with you in the present. And if you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in Jesus, or maybe you you haven't, it was a long time ago, but you haven't been living with Jesus. Today, maybe you feel God just stirring your heart and you want to respond to Jesus and to, to make that choice of choosing life, of choosing hope. And if that's you, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. To receive the hope that Jesus offers. And this starts with us having to acknowledge that we need him, that we need Jesus, that we have fallen short not only of our own standard, but of his, and that we need to be forgiven. And then it means coming to Jesus and saying, sorry, sorry for all of the wrong things that we've done and choosing to to turn away from doing life on our own and instead choosing to live life with him and for him. And when we do that, Jesus' promise is that we will receive a living hope. A hope that deals with our past as we are forgiven and washed clean and experience that spring clean on the inside out. A hope that means we can look to the future with confidence and anticipation and expectancy, knowing that we have an inheritance which nothing can take away from us and is kept for us in heaven. And knowing that we have a living hope in the here and now. Knowing Jesus with us in every moment. 